What is up, guys, and welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. Now, today we have some pretty fun topics, some pretty heavy topics, if you will, but for starters, we're going to get off to a few of the things that we've been doing in the last couple weeks and kind of see where that takes us. So, Brent, what have you been up to? All right. I always get stressed out about this question, so I, I'm always making my list. I'm, I'm getting ready for you. So in the last Digging week deep. or so, I sent off 30 Marines to Nova Open Charitable Foundation. Um, you know, I'd made a video about uh, painting those up as quickly as I could, and after that video, I had to finish painting them, but I did get them all done. I did finally get them in the mail. So we talked before about that being exper an experience kind of like... Uh, commission work you know like mm -hmm. having this this obligation that you, you got to get through painting something for somebody else that you're gonna send away and never see again and so that was kind of an interesting experience because i'm sitting there taking as many pictures as i'll ever need of those marines because i'm never gonna see them again That's unless i enter feeling, that raffle right? and win but there there might be yeah, rules right. against that so <laughs> i would hope so that'd be That'd be terrible. <laughs> like if, if they I found won, out that won. you're the one that won, like, yeah. really? Really? You just, no, <laughs> that seems unfair. <laughs> I have more Marines than I started with. I'm the winner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. Um, but anyway, that's out of my hair, but that wasn't, that wasn't quite good enough for like a, what have you done this week? So I kept thinking what's happened, what's happened, what's happened now. Next up, I got bit by a dog. That was, <laughs> that's not really hobby related, but, uh. Sort of, you were you were doing um, a hobby while it happened. Yeah, I was doing a hobby. I was going out a for a run, yeah. getting a little fresh air, you know, trying to trying to stay in shape, and went out to the woods. There's some nice paths out there, and you know, you normally cross a couple of people, but you stay a few feet away from them so you're not breathing on each other, and you, you wave and keep on going. But there's also a lot of dogs out there, and. Normally they just sniff you and run off, but this one, this this like poodle, decided to latch onto oh, my arm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poodle. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this poodle latches onto my arm. I'm like, hey, hey, stop it! And then it just like bites the same place again. It's, stop it! Stop it! Um, and it didn't break. It didn't break skin, but I've got like a massive bruise on my arm now. I'm trying to. Uh, yeah. Hold hold that up for the camera. If you. Uh, yeah, I'm holding. You're listening to this on podcast services, then then uh, I apologize. But if you head over to youtube.com slash paint bravely, the podcast, we've got a video feed going while we do this. So yeah, Brent's got a gnarly, gnarly bruise on his arm. Yeah. So the dog didn't break skin. It's, it's all yellow now. Um, but uh, the family Man, seemed sucks. apologetic and, and I refrained from swearing at them, but uh, they said, right. are, are you okay? Are you okay? And I just kind of like, showed them the the <laughs> giant dog hickey on my arm and said keep your dog on a leash and then i just ran off but should you know they, should check to make sure it had rabies tags or whatever probably should have got a phone number but yeah, yeah i mean I, I don't know you you make too big an issue out of that and if you don't know the local rules like the dog gets put down or something and that's there, very true there was a kid there and you know i didn't uh yeah. plus the dog doesn't deserve that you know so uh, right. I mean, it, it, a dog is doing what the dog is, is technically been trained to do, right? Like whether he's being protective or not. Now, poodles are super smart dogs. Usually they're a little bit better than that, but it also depends on the owners, right? Like they have to train 
their dog. I mean, the fact that it didn't break skin, maybe is start. more of yeah. That like that's not the worst thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I've seen that before. I've seen pretty terrible dog bites. Like when I was younger, um, I went over to this house, um, because I was like sick home from school, and my dad works on houses and he takes care of rentals and all these things. Right. Um, we went over to their house. The husband came home, didn't know that we were in there, let their giant guard dog Rottweiler and like legit trained to kill Rottweiler in and attacked my dad, like right in front of me. I'm like eight years old and just disgustingly ripped open his arm. Like, Oh no. Horribly. Yeah. So we like rushed to the hospital and did all these things. So I'm just saying, could have been worse. I'm glad you're okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. That it, in the scheme of things, it was not bad. Uh, it was a few days ago. So if I start uh, acting rabid on you, let me know. Uh, then it's just too late. Today, though. <laughs> it's too late. Like we gotta late. put you yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about it for a few days, and I looked down, and it, like the arm is really yellow right now, and like mm-hmm. today I overslept a little bit and I'm like, huh, probably hmm. not rabies, right? Probably not rabies, but you let me probably know, not. Casey. If I start acting weird, you tell me. <laughs> I will be the first one to let you know. <laughs> all right. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, all right. Your turn. What do you, what's been going on with you this week? Ooh, I got a pretty good one this week. Um, so the first one is uh, like a lot of thrift stores in my area have opened back up. And, you know, it's still social distancing and and face masks and all this stuff. Um, They're not letting as many people in, which is a kind of awesome benefit to going through a thrift store when they're they're selectively not letting as many people in. Um, But I went and I'm looking through all this stuff thinking, you know, there's going to be some good stuff in here. Because people were still donating when the Mm -hmm. quarantine was like in full swing, right? So... I'm I'm hoping there's some good stuff. And I did score a real nice bag of Mech Warrior, uh, what are they, like Battletech Hero Clicks, basically. Um, and if you don't know what Hero Clicks are, um, it's a game with a, like a, a base on it. And all of the numbers that you need and damage and all this stuff is on the base and it clicks. You turn the, the dial at the bottom and it changes the stats. And... Uh, so I got an entire bag of these Mech Warriors, and they look awesome. And I'm not sure if I want to do, like, an unboxing video or something. Because they, they look like um, like Warhammer epic scale tanks and mm. mechs and, and infantry units. And I don't know what to do with them yet, but I, I snatched that bag real quick. And uh, I, had to, I had to get them. I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet, though. But they're oh, cool. really cool. Have so you ever seen these uh... before? Not necessarily. I have a couple of Battletech minis here, but they're the kind that came unpainted, you know, started out gray and I had to paint right, it. But yeah. the ones you have are pre-painted or what? They're pre-painted from the factory. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. the whole kind of premise behind these clicks style games. Uh, WizKids yeah. puts out these games. They have like superheroes and uh, they have like a horror series and a bunch of other different things. And it's with this whole system. But their idea is, look, you don't need to paint your models. You don't need to have all these rule books and all these things because everything is contained in the model. Now, the paint jobs are terrible. Just the there worst. There you go. So, Rescue that factory paint job. There you go. <laughs> like, I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, it's 
it sucks. Like I, I've met people that um, they didn't want to paint Warhammer, but they they exclusively did like clicks based games and repainted those figures. The problem with them is that they're made of the the super squishy rubber that just bends mm. all over the place. So even if you have a good paint job, it's just not going to last. Um, and that's really the problem with those models. Now, if you weren't going to play with them, they'd probably they'd probably look all right. But I mean that the sculpts and everything else are pretty janky. Yeah, mm. I did have to sort of fight off an old lady to get them as well. Um, yeah, she didn't want to adhere to the six foot rule, and was like getting well, all up in her my face. Were, yeah, you and her were thinking the same thing, like. You know, during during quarantine, everybody is doing some spring cleaning and got plenty mm-hmm. of time on their hands. And um, seems to be a fighter jet flying over my house right now, but that's that'll pass. You talk. That is what it is. Yeah. So this this uh, this lady and uh, similar to your your dog story, just a little bit. She had a kid with her. Um, probably like her granddaughter or something. And, and they're coming in, like grabbing all these toys in the toys section of the thrift store and they're filling up this cart. And I'm like casually standing there and I I was there first. So I'm going to get that right out of the way. I was standing there first looking through this stuff and I see this bag and I'm reaching for it. And the lady seriously comes right in front of me and pushes me out of the way and grab something that's like next to it thinking like maybe I was going to grab it and it's like it's a fire truck for preschoolers that's not what I'm after and like luckily okay. I was able to kind of come back in she did it again she cut right in front of me again and it's like I want to yell at her really bad but then there's this kid here so I can't can so we I try to for... tell the story <laughs> can we try to tell the story from maybe a different perspective like the the thirty-year-old man, like uh, trying to grab <laughs> toys at the at the thrift store, and there's a there's an actual child looking for toys, and you're uh, you're you're trying to body block them. Like, can we can we tell the story from a different perspective? Okay, let me let me read. So there was this guy. <laughs> so there was this guy, <laughs> real douche. <laughs> no. So I was there with my wife and my three-year-old son. Oh, he was okay. looking at the nope, toys. You went. Right. Yeah. He was looking at the toys and we were already there to look for stuff for him. And so he was playing with a fire truck on the ground right next to me. And this lady comes swooping in like we're going to take all the stuff that she wants. And I mean, I wasn't I wasn't being weird or rude. She's just I don't know. It's just something that happens. It it felt kind of like a Black Friday kind of a thing. And maybe because there was so much stock that people were just going nuts but uh, yeah. I, I ended up getting that bag, and uh, yeah, she couldn't have it. It's my bag. <laughs> well, you've had a very productive week. That was awesome, yes. Casey. Yeah, <laughs> you did what you had to do in the end. I but did. you lost out on the fire truck, hey? Uh, no, no, we got the fire truck. That's right. <laughs> win, win, win. Exactly. Well, what did the old lady and her granddaughter get? Oh, everything else. Everything else. But, I yeah, mean, it yeah, was, yeah. you know, you know, like those garage uh, shelving units, like four feet, five feet wide, six feet tall. Mm-hmm. There were like mm-hmm. five of those filled with toys. There, there was no reason for her to be like all up in my face. And, and the thing that really got to me the most is that she was in a face mask. 
which means that on her mind is like, okay, I got to stay six feet away. Got to wear my face mask to stay safe. But no, not this time. Life is a series of trade-offs, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, pandemic versus uh, getting that fire truck. Or maybe she just, like, saw that you had taste and that you had already zeroed in on, like, the best part of the rack. And she didn't even yeah. need to search the rest of it. Just whatever this guy's looking at is probably the primo stuff. Here. Right, right. <laughs> I did get the whole bag for five bucks. It was pretty good. Well, that's... And it was a pretty big bag. I guess we haven't talked a, about size. Maybe you'll bag. do an unboxing. I, yeah, bag. I'm thinking about it. If anything, I'll I'll throw up a picture in the uh, okay in the YouTube video. Okay. Yeah, because I have I yeah, have yeah, laid yeah. them all out, and, and it's it's pretty nice. It's I mean, at fifteen dollars for a box of five minis, um, man, there's got to be three or four hundred dollars in the bag. Oh, so not not terrible. Yeah. Congratulations. Very productive. <laughs> well, Very productive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, that's it's really all I uh that's really all I've been up to. Did, did okay. some of the thrift shopping and uh yeah. Not a not a bad week. Well I wanted to mention one other thing I did this week is I mm-hmm. discovered that you were on a podcast that you didn't tell me about. You know, I know you, I know Uh-oh. your band has a podcast. I know you're on this one. You know, you've been on uh life after the cover save before but i found out uh, i started getting into hobby time in the murder basement and oh, yeah. just yeah a few episodes ago there's casey from ebay miniature rescues <laughs> and sometimes people tell me stuff and i forget but i don't think you ever told me about that so i i honestly don't remember if i did or not <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that does seem weird i'm trying to remember when we actually recorded that i it might have been around like episode one or two. So, you know, we weren't, we weren't exclusive. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It sounded, it sounded like beginning of the lockdown was maybe when it was recorded, but. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That was a while yeah, ago. So that's a, um, that's a podcast that I'm, I'm just starting to get into. Uh, clearly, you know more about it than me right now, but uh, Heath, who runs that seems like a really great guy. He's getting interviews with, a ton of people in our hobby, uh, yeah. really, really interesting folks. And so it, I'm excited to listen to the rest of the episodes basically, but yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he's got it up on all of the, the regular podcast services and a YouTube channel. Um, yeah. But hobby he, he time just in the did, murder basement. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw that in the, uh, the show notes. It'll be yeah. good. Yeah. He, yeah. he did. An I was able to get with... it on my, <laughs> we keep doing that. that. We're, we're not on our game today, but uh, I was able to get it on my phone app and okay. whatever weirdo phone app I use and hands on YouTube. So cool, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, not too bad. So what say we get into a few other things and then maybe go over some conversation starters, I guess. Yes. Read some comments. Off here. Uh, okay, Casey, uh, we are actually re-recording the rest of the podcast. We yes. decided that the first time around was kind of rambling and boring, <laughs> and uh, I didn't want you to have to edit all that. <laughs> it was two and a half hours long. Right, And it was right. not good, two and a half hours. <laughs> That's and not great. 
we figured it would be way easier just to uh, re-record things here. So hopefully this time is better. Uh, we are both committed to excellence and Casey is committed to not have to spend too many hours editing these things. So <laughs> let's try it again. Yeah, now, let's, let's try this again. Right. We wanted to start off just a little bit serious and then we had a viewer question that somewhat ties into this. But at this point, based on our recording schedule, by the time this comes out, um, George Floyd's death in America will have been about a month ago. Um, Games Workshop released that press release, Warhammer is for everyone, but if you don't think so, you will not be missed. And so, you know, all of that's got some discussion. Um, for an in-depth talk on that, uh, check out the Goobertown Hobbies YouTube channel. But just to acknowledge, we're aware of it. Um, we do believe that Warhammer is for everyone. Uh, mini painting is for everyone. And... Um, yeah, I don't know if we have a, a whole lot more to say on that topic, but, uh, we're aware, we care, and, uh, anything else there, Casey? Um, I think that the, the video that you put up sums it up in a way that I don't think I could ever get to, like writing or being as eloquent, I suppose. So, um, yeah, bravo. I thought that was well done. Okay. Yeah, if you want uh if you want a more serious take, my more serious take on uh the world and the hobby and you know how often we should be looking up for our games to to check on to see how everyone's doing to make sure that everyone around us is comfortable and having fun. Um I have posted a lengthy video on the Goobertown Hobbies YouTube channel. Um but I think for the purposes of Paint Bravely, it's it's really, let's keep it more to, yeah, just look up from your game every once in a while, make sure that everyone's, you know, having fun, make sure that there's nobody, like, kind of outside the game, uh, outside the door of the game store, you know, thinking about coming in, but you're not quite sure if uh, this group of nerds is for them or not. Um, yeah, just, just be aware of that and, and be the person that, that welcomes the the new guy in, the new gal in, um, gets them into things, because we do believe that uh, mini painting is for everyone, Warhammer is for everyone, and uh, yeah, yeah, we can all share in that grim darkness together. Yeah. So. So do you want to get into this question, and then um, we'll we'll do this again? Right. Right. Okay. I will, I'll read this question here. We got this question um, several weeks ago now, and we were kind of saving it for a rainy day. And I'll start off by saying it kind of has a, um, it sounds negative. It, it definitely reads as negative. Yeah. Um, or, or it reads as if someone was having a bad day or something. And so we'll, we'll get that out of the way. Um, but it's essentially talking about uh, the hobby changing, Warhammer changing, um, how fast it may or may not change, uh, if that's going to leave behind the old fans, stuff like that. And so for anyone concerned about that, that's, you know, it's got to be at least partially coming from uh, a place of love. And so uh, we'll read it here. Uh, we don't agree with the negativity or, or kind of some of the uh, implications or, or assumptions that are in there, but it's actually a really good conversation conversation starter for a whole bunch of other stuff so i will read it um 
D Numbers says, uh, why do you guys think that Warhammer getting a larger mainstream audience would be a good thing? We all know what mainstream appeal does to a franchise. It'll most likely ruin Warhammer and 40k for current fans. I'd rather Games Workshop eventually fail and shut down than go mainstream. At least it'd be fun while it lasted instead of being watered down and uh, stifled in order to be milked for every last penny. Um, you know, I, sh I, I by no means think that Warhammer should avoid new people coming in. That's great. I just don't want a flood of the kind of people that ruin hobbies. Um, like people that care about, you know, a Hollywood star paints Warhammer or people that would want to change it to fit popular mainstream politics and ethics. Uh, the mainstream would disfigure Warhammer beyond recognition. Huh. Um, you want you want to start there? Or? I suppose so. I'm I'm gonna start from the top a little bit. Um, you know, he says we all know that mainstream appeal, like what it does to a franchise, and we can look at things like Star Trek, Star Wars, and kind of relate that. You know, we've seen those things transform from, you know, you look at Star Trek in the 60s and 70s, which were, I mean, especially in the 60s, was pretty progressive. Um, but they they really stayed true to form up until, you know, J.J. Abrams, I guess. Um, things started changing, and now even the TV shows are completely different, and a lot of people are into Star Trek. Now, personally speaking, I don't have a problem with that particular series, um, but I know a lot of people do. And it is because it went more mainstream. You know, there's more lens flares. There's millions and millions of dollars behind every advertising thing that they do for all these new movies. So I can see how, you know, a lot of people who would be into Warhammer, if something like that were to happen, would be a little bit upset. You know, that their thing got this whole makeover to fit into right. a box of Hollywood. Right. Right. I uh, actually earlier today I was watching a, a Next Generation episode, the two-parter from season six, a Chain of Command, where uh, Captain Picard goes on a mission, ends up getting captured by Cardassians, and, but most of the two-parter episode is just about a replacement captain on the bridge of the Enterprise and how nobody likes him. <laughs> so it's it it's you know a movie length amount of time, and it's actually really good, but it's just about like officers having to get used to a new captain like there's nothing flashy about it there's no explosions there's no lens flares yeah. it's just you know people slow talking to each other it's pretty slow um and and then there's the side story of, of picard captured by the cardassians and there are four lights it's it's that episode yeah yeah and you you would not see a movie you certainly wouldn't see a modern star trek movie like that um even arguable whether you'd see that on, you know, Picard or Discovery these days. But right, exactly. There for Star Trek especially, there's you know, it has to be bigger and better and in some ways the stories I don't know if you I, I don't know if you want to say dumbed down, but it, it seems like the mm, it depends, I guess, on It on depends the on the episode, sure, yeah. sure. There's but darker. I've Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I'd say, you know, for, for any of these, you know, 200, $300 million movies, especially that are, that get made by committee 
um, that have to fit all of these certain things in them. The, you know, you can argue that some of the artistry just isn't there, that the trying to appeal to everyone in America and everyone in China, if possible, like has, has done something to these really big movies. And I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So kind of, kind of off the bat, bat, I will say, I think there's a big difference between, you know, you're making a movie for $300 million that is a big single risk that you're taking. And so you, you know, I understand why there's, there's the drive to play it safe, play to the mainstream, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're printing off some boxes of, of a new type of Xenos race for Warhammer 40 K, the, I'd say the risk is much smaller and I mean, you know, there is there is some risk in like the the new starter box for Warhammer, you know, ninth edition or whatever. But yeah. in some ways, it's it's more diversified the risk, and so um, I think it's I, I think the just the business model is a completely different animal from you know a big a big movie like Star Wars or Star Trek. But um, yeah, no, I, I see I see the argument that okay, do do franchises get ruined? Um, as a result of to trying to appeal to too many people and I, I i don't think i don't think we're in that problem but but what we want to do with this episode is kind of talk through the various aspects of warhammer and see if you know uh, we're going to go through uh you know lore and models and what else do we have here the the rules uh, and see if any of these things might be changed to cater to bring new people in or to go more mainstream or to have the uh, edges sanded off um, we'll see if any of that stuff is actually happening and if it is happening whether um, it's happening fast enough or, or dramatic enough to, to be a bad thing yeah why don't we why don't we jump right into the first thing um, well I suppose what's what's your what's your final thought on whether or not say Star Trek has been ruined by going more mainstream is it is it something that's more of like opinion based or is it a definite fact that it is not as good so for for star trek and star wars i think the the more stuff they put out the better because you know eventually they're going to put out a show that's good or a show that has good episodes in it Right. And I think at least Discovery had some good episodes in it. Um, and, you know, you can make arguments about uh, you know, Star Trek 2009. I liked the first J.J. Abrams movie I really liked. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think if they are, if the franchise by catering to the mainstream is successful enough, they'll keep pumping more and more stuff out. And some of that stuff they pump out will be good, whether they, uh, you know. Or you got to hit sometimes yeah yeah uh whether it's random chance or not but like in star wars personally i love the mandalorian i really really enjoyed those eight episodes of the mandalorian so far yeah and you know i gotta be honest i i have not liked really any of the last movie well i didn't i didn't like the the last three movies in the skywalker saga or the uh i didn't like it I didn't like episodes one, two, three, seven, eight, nine very much. 
Um, (laughs) But uh, at least some of those made enough money that we got uh, the Mandalorian out. And that's awesome. And I think Disney is going to keep making more and more and more stuff. It might take a little pause now and then when they have a big flop, but they're going to keep making more and more Star Wars. Some of it's going to be good, and then we'll get more stuff that we like, and we'll ignore the rest. Yeah, I'm definitely of the opinion that more is better, you know, because they're going to want to be listening to people as they continue to make it. They want to cater to an audience. They don't want to lose money. (laughs) Right. So they're going to eventually come back around and do the things that, that people want them to do. So as far as the question goes, you know, is that going to happen with Warhammer? Like them being such a small company in relation, I don't see how Warhammer could go so mainstream that that effect of, of, you know, a company like Disney just putting movies out hoping to make hits is is even possible for a company like Games Workshop. Right. Now... That being said, you know, Games Workshop, especially recently, has been releasing, re-releasing all their side games, all their specialty games. Yeah. So we have, you know, new editions of Age of Sigmar and 40K, but we also have Necromunda and Blood Bowl and you know, maybe Battlefleet Gothic coming out and whatever, uh, Titanicus and <laughs> yeah. Aeronautical, Aeronauticus is. Aeronauticus, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking game. about. <laughs> But because, you know, their flagship games are successful enough and profitable enough, they're, they are throwing more and more of these side games out, uh, Kill Team, you know, all, all this stuff, yeah. uh, Underworlds, and somewhere in there, hopefully, is something you can love. And if there's not, and we'll talk about this more also, the success of Games Workshop is also helping in, to a degree, all of these smaller minis and game companies, because it's at least, you know, a gateway drug. And if you want uh, something, you know, really in any direction, something lighter, something more hardcore, something more modern, something more cutesy, like you can get it from other companies too. Right. Yeah. All right. So then let's jump straight into um, if Warhammer is going more mainstream. And there are changes to the lore. How is that going to affect the game moving forward? And is it going to actually affect anyone who's playing the game currently? So an example would be more diversity in characters, uh, more female characters, black space marines, that kind of thing. Um, Is that going to affect the overall lore of Warhammer and ruin it? Are you asking me? I would say no. I mean, straight I, I, up, no. Yeah. yeah but I, I would say no. But I think it is worth exploring. Um, like, you've read a bunch of the novels. I've read right? some of the novels, yeah. Okay. And, yeah, so so just for my history, I've read the Eisenhorn books. I'm getting most of the way through the Ravener series. I've read the first 18 or 19 Horus Heresy books. I've read a handful of the Gaunt's Ghost books, and which is obviously still a tiny percentage of, of all the Warhammer books out there. There are a lot. <laughs> um, I haven't dipped my toe in really at all into the Age of Sigmar Warhammer fantasy 
books, but for 40k, I have a sampling of what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, and that's been over, I imagine, a, a period of time. And so is there anything in the books that that could possibly need changing? Yes. Um, for me, it was actually the uh, like portrayal of women that uh, could probably use the biggest adjust- adjustment. And again, I've only read a sampling of these books, but actually one of my favorite series has been the, the Eisenhorn and the Ravener books. And so first, you know, off the bat, I like those books. Uh, I think the author does some good things in there. Um, and essentially they're about an inquisitor who has his team of helpers and he's got a spaceship and he's traveling around the galaxy hunting down heretics, but they make him be hunting down chaos, uh, cultist heretics so that, you know, the inquisitor is a good guy because many of the (laughs) inquisitors in this universe are, are not good guys. Right. But but this time you're you're hunting down you know demons and stuff like okay you're on this guy's side, um, and he's got and you know a lot of the book is about his crew showing up at a new planet and carrying out like an investigation and so it's it's relatable I mean this isn't in a fun sci-fi world but it's kind of relatable and you've got uh, you've got a fun cast of characters there, and where I'm going with this is there is so much diversity in the crew except the females are always attractive women and no matter how old and grizzled and uh, amputated the male characters get (laughs) the women are always um you know appearing as 25 year old fit wearing a body glove and some of them are described as thinner while some of them are more curvy but like it's uh yeah the range of the description of female characters is less than i'd like and to a degree this is true in other books but the the example that really grabs me in that eisenhorn series it's uh kind of the main trilogy takes place following uh inquisitor eisenhorn and his crew and there's like you know 50 or 100 years jumps in between the three books and so one of uh one of the things that happens in the books is that you know Eisenhorn's character really goes through some changes um both in his his outlook to whether or not he can try to dabble in chaos powers for good but also like physically he's getting older he's getting broken bits are getting replaced um if you just look at the the models for Gregor Eisenhorn that GW has put out, you can buy. They're like described by the community as old Eisenhorn and young Eisenhorn, which do correspond to the old Eisenhorn model and the new Eisenhorn model. But it's also one is a young man and one is an old man with cybernetics everywhere and like uh, you know mechanical hips and and all the rest. But where I'm going with this is the kind of his his main lady on the ship. She gets rejuvenate treatment. She has the uh, expensive future technology that keep her looking 25. You know, Eisenhorn is going through all these all these changes and um, and yeah, cool. He's he's 
he's breaking down he's getting his bits replaced he's uh he's really seen some stuff and gone on a journey and his his female sidekick is still 25 (laughs) yeah Um, Does, does her character change at all or is it is she pretty much just the same since nothing has changed about her a little bit but it's not but not as much um right. and and in those books like a lot of the side characters are really interesting you know you got the the grizzled old bounty hunter and you got the the old dude who just sits there smoking cigarettes you've got the uh like robot man you've got uh there's there's the like effeminate um inquisitor in training and like you know you think about rogue trader uh lore or or inquisitor lore they always have that band of weirdos with them but the the female companions are just always described as wearing a a, a black body glove of just spandex everywhere <laughs> and uh just a i don't know like a like a belt with a pistol and knives on their belt or right. something like that um, yeah. and again, just, just one, one little anecdote, but it's stuff like that when I'm reading a new book and I come across this trope, I just shake my head like, again, come on, come on. Right. After however many there's, other books. There's already, there's already way more male characters than female characters. Um, just, just make a middle-aged lady, you know, just, <laughs> right. just have a frumpy uh, middle-aged lady smoking her low sticks and whatever. Um, well, how on. much cooler of a model would that be? Like this, this older lady. Oh yeah. Who just looks completely different than everything else, you know, with some insane, like chain sword, right? Like just something mm-hmm. ridiculous. Like that would mm-hmm. be a model that I would want to paint. And I would probably yeah. want to know where she came from. I mean, it's like they're closing themselves off to the possibilities of certain types of models because they don't want to try a little bit harder. And it it wouldn't even be that much. Like, they can obviously write a book. They can write character descriptions. So why is it that they don't try? Oh, we'll talk about models here soon, believe (laughs) me. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, even, even just in the novels. There's no actual reason for them not to try. Yeah. Like, like, what is the, the reasoning behind having that character in the book to begin with if there is no change? Yeah, no, I think I think it is otherwise. Like, that one, I think, is one of the better written characters in that series, which is still why it's, like, a little bit disappointing that, oh, yeah, in addition to her other traits, uh, she takes this treatment to still look 25. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, the Warhammer did, you know, kind of write itself into a corner by, you know, saying all space Marines are male. And so a lot of the characters by default, by default are going to be male in, in a lot of the 40 K books. And, you know, a lot of authors will try to get around that by, okay, if we're, if we're introducing you to some of the the deck crew on the ship that they're traveling around with, like we'll make sure to have uh, a couple of prominent female officers on there. Which good, sure. Um, but uh, they're still often often described as like the you know youngest captain in the history of the segment, or you know something like that. Yeah, just okay, great. Um, 
and the the trope is just so reinforced in my brain now that when I when I come across it, like oh, of of course they are uh, slender and fit. Yeah, who, who? Of course. Yeah, of course. But um, so you know, I getting getting back to it, like what could be changed up here? Um, just just have a frumpy lady, you know, just. Uh, <laughs> Sure. When you're describing the Space Marine, I'm I'm fine with the Space Marine being described as you know the he he wiped the uh, sweat that was glistening off of his dark brow, you know whatever. If, right. Um. It. You know, just. But uh, minor fun. changes that just minor bring in changes, a little bit extra. I uh, could. Yeah. Just add that. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. It it wouldn't even it wouldn't take much, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like. They're they're just being a little bit lazy when they could say something. Like if all these characters have something cool going on, like why not that one? Does it actually change Warhammer for the worse? Like, no, it's giving you opportunities to create memorable characters that can then be accompanied by memorable models. You know, mm-hmm. I think both you and I have said that one of our favorite, if not our absolute favorite, Stormcast model is that female sequitur with the Oh yeah, the you beat me to film in that, but yes, I absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's such a cool model. I mean, it, I when I when I saw it first, like I didn't I didn't it didn't occur to me it's like, well, this is a this is a female model. It's just like, no, she looks badass. Like it's a yeah. sweet model, you know? Yeah. And so like writing that stuff into a novel and, and doing that for 40 K or for any other part of the game seems like they could just do it and no one would even say anything or do anything. It would be great. Yeah. And I haven't read enough of the books. I don't know how many, uh, female Stormcast are, are in the, in the lore already, but, um, they, they look just as awesome as the male characters. So they should they should be there if they're not already. Um, yeah. What do you think about uh, the young adult novels? As far as like, I could see that being being considered yeah, Warhammer Adventures or, into... or whatever it's called. Yeah, what are your thoughts there? I think overall, the idea behind the young adult novels is that, like, this game is old at this point, right? It, what is it, thirty? three 35 years something mm-hmm. it's been a while so there's a lot of people who grew up playing this game that want to share it with their kids and it makes sense to me that instead of handing your kid a black library novel when they're 11 their own you know obviously everyone has their own viewpoint on that like discretion is everyone's thing but like for a lot of people, you want to give your kids something that they can read that you know is not going to be a little too over the top violence wise or, or sexual wise or whatever. And I think the young adult novels are probably catered towards people who have been in the hobby that have kids that want their kids to enjoy the thing that they enjoy. Sure. I, I yeah. like that. My, uh, my viewpoint on this is that this is this is more stuff. And, and kind of like with the Star Wars analogy, you're not... You're not throwing, you're not changing anything or throwing thing, 
it's out by including right, younger right. stories in addition. Um, and if you don't want to, you don't have to read them. That's, you know, that's how I feel about that. Yeah, um, they're not changing the story of Warhammer or, or throwing in a major plot point into a young adult novel and asking right. you to read it. Right. Um, what about... Do you want to talk about Star Wars and how Star Wars uh, killed all of their novels all at once? <laughs> all at once. To In order to go more mainstream, yes, they did. They took, I mean, 25 years or more of a ton of novels and basically just said it didn't happen. Right. And that seemed, I mean, it still kind of seems like a bad idea. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I don't think there's any way to go back. Yeah, they took all of those novels um, that had, you know, come out since the original trilogy, and they said none of this stuff happened. Um, you know, Luke never hung out with Mara Jade. Uh, Princess Leia's children. We're gonna cross these ones out and write a new one in. And what else here? Thrawn. Uh, didn't Thrawn. Exist. <laughs> maybe Thrawn happened, but. Uh, didn't seem like he did anything important because he was not mentioned when the <laughs> right there were no blue people walking around in the first order for those movies. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a very different circumstance uh, because the Warhammer 40k universe is so big that there is always room for more stories. There are always yeah. a million new worlds to discover new remnants of humanity, new alien races. There are, uh, there's, there's so much room for, you know, dozens of authors to be writing in this universe at the same time and not worrying too much about, uh, contradicting each other. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the star Wars books, there were, I don't even know what the, the number of like full novels was that got crossed out but it was it must have been hundreds. more than a hundred yeah, hundreds, hundreds maybe um, for sure but but yeah those authors like had very little room to maneuver because you know uh han and luke and leia like went on the following hundred different adventures together over the over these you know 20 years or whatever after return of the jedi and yeah. it was just there was just so much stuff that there was no room to expand or do anything interesting with that in that case, I understand why they had to do that, that hard lore wipe. Um, yeah. They wrote themselves into a corner essentially. And if the movies weren't going to follow those books, you know, to a T people were going to be mad. So, you know, instead of giving up creative freedom moving forward. And I mean, if you look at this like in a 20 year time span from when those books got killed, the possibilities are much greater moving forward. You know, if, if you're saying that, well, when we make a movie, that's going to be our canon, you know, that, mm -hmm. that books don't necessarily inform on that. Then I think yeah. that you can, yeah, you can have a ton of different people writing books that are just in the universe, not even having to do with people or characters that, you know, and it can be engaging and great, kind of like the Mandalorian. Right, exactly. There's 
there is so much room in the galaxy, I mean, especially the 40k galaxy, to just tell whatever story you want. There can be young adult stories happening, and there can be uh, about Xenos, about Chaos, about the Imperium, any any stories you want to tell, there is plenty of room for it. Yeah. Um, other than, you know, a handful of named planets where you have to be a little bit careful about continuity, like, other right. than that, yeah. Um, in all that, I guess, Casey, do you have anything to say about uh, the transition from, uh, you know, Warhammer Fantasy to Age of Sigmar? I mean, I feel like that it's a little bit similar to the Star Wars situation, um, only in that they kind of had themselves backed into a corner like IP wise. Right. And they wanted to wipe that start over with fresh original ideas so that they could control that, those properties. Um, the good news is, I suppose, because Warhammer fantasy is kind of ridiculous all on its own. They can do whatever they want and really never write themselves into a corner again. As long as they mm. own their IPs, they can say whatever they want and do whatever they want. And if something happens, they can rewrite that and say, but during this time, this other thing happened to make sure that this other thing over here can happen. That's totally fine. You know, like they have endless possibilities now, you know, yeah. I'm sure that made a lot of people mad, but um, Warhammer Fantasy is like still technically part of Age of Sigma, right? Like it's right. just... my, my understanding is they didn't say this this never happened. They just said this is the way this part of the story closed. Um, right. A new chapter is opening here, and in this new chapter there's a lot more worlds and realms to be fought over, and yeah. a lot of stuff is going on at the same time. Um, and, and yeah, that, that opens them up, and so you know maybe some of the, the stories that come out are going to be for young adults or, you know, too mainstream or have the edges rounded off. But you can also in there have uh, a little more, I don't know, hardcore stuff in there, like some some more mature stories, uh, you know, some in, in a different realm or on a different planet yeah. or, yeah. Um, yeah. So actually just the way Games Workshop has chosen to design their IP and their universes um i think they've done they've given themselves a lot of room to not you know not every story is going to be to your liking but there can plenty of room for stories to still but you know that you connect with to still be in the in the ip yeah yeah and i yeah. i think there are going to be a lot more of them moving forward i mean they're they're pumping out armies like new armies what feels like constantly yeah. You know, well, let's, uh, well, let's talk time. about the models then. Um, okay. So, you know, again, this whole conversation is what's changing over time with uh, Games Workshop. And, you know, of course, uh, what happens in Games Workshop affects all of the rest of the, the mini hobby and, and, you know, miniature games and board games and all that. It's uh, It all feels the weight of what's going on at, at Games Workshop. So... What changes have you seen in, you know, the models at Games Workshop? Do, you know, what effect do you think that's going to have on the future? Where do you see all of this going? Um, good things, bad things? I mean, we already brought up the uh, the Lady Sequitur. Yeah. And I mean, 
that I I like seeing that kind of change because you know when Age of Sigmar came out there were no female characters whatsoever that <clears throat> the, that starter box was I, I was pretty straightforward I guess it's all dudes fighting dudes you yep. know it was very vanilla and not a lot of interest going on like they were they're really cool models but there wasn't much depth i thought and i mean they're starting a new ip and they're doing this thing and they've built off of that well do you want to do you want to run with this then um so for age of sigmar you know sigmarite were sigmarine sigmarites uh stormcast Stormcast (laughs) they were they were the poster boy they are the poster boy of age of sigmar essentially yeah they are they are the marines to that game yes and you just described you know that that first starter box as vanilla um kind of in trying in in killing warhammer fantasy starting age of sigmar trying to reach a wider audience um did they go to vanilla are are the models uh vanilla now is do you like stormcast um personally i do i i think that the range has grown enough that i see a lot i see a lot of potential down down in the future and mm -hmm. i think that they've come up with some just wackadoo ideas that i'm into like there there's an entire like chapter of stormcast that ride chocobos that's a thing and it's awesome (laughs) that's cool yeah so something that we've seen gw doing is making sure that they can uh protect their ip on everything that they make so you know the the stormcast to me they're still a little weird. There's a few models I like. I am I am legitimately hoping that I get excited about them someday and figure out a paint scheme I like and, and can dive into them. But for now, I am, like, years later, I'm still like, okay, these guys are kind of weird. Why are they so chunky? You know, whatever. But They are chunky. But, but f- for their vanilla faction, the lore and the look is pretty strange. Like they're reanimated warriors of something, and it wasn't even clear at first if they could take their helmets off. And right. you know, the the design is not just a knight. The design isn't just a straightforward paladin. The design is very trademarkable. Um, so part of my take on all of this is that Games Workshop, in trying to go mainstream. They're still making IP that they can protect, and so almost no matter what they do, their stuff is going to be weird and unique. Yeah, uh, because the more the more strange it is, the more they can, uh, you know, help out their lawyers when they're when they're going to get <laughs> their stamps on things. Yeah, like the the OCI, you know, or. They killed the Tomb Kings off and brought back the the Osiarch Bone Reapers. Um, Right, right, which hard to to trademark or or patent or or protect uh, undead Egyptian guys, but um, 
guys with a bone forge that look like insane people uh, easier, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because nobody else is stupid enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like ridiculous um, faces. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, they're pretty rad. But those faces. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sold on them yet. I'm not sold on them yet, but uh, I'm definitely not worried that GW is going to go too mainstream because you can't patent or trademark or right. whatever it's called yeah. mainstream. Um, I think that's one of the biggest points to be made, though. Yeah. Right? Is they they're not trying to go mainstream. They're trying to be more inclusive in in a positivity in a positive way, right? Yeah. Like they want more people to play their game. So they want to appeal to a larger audience, but at the same time, they don't want to go too far as to get into like super, super vanilla, uh, you know, knights and goblins and like just general fantasy tropes. They don't want to go too far down that road. I mean, right. even goblins are now gloom spite gits. Yeah. Who live in the underdank. Yeah. No, I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The underdank. The underdank. That's a great word. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna use that uh, more often going forward. Uh, we'll yeah. Write that one down. Welcome to the underdank. <laughs> the uh, underdank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know how to make sound effects? We'll do that. We'll do that. Um. Yeah. I got yeah. You. So I think it's a really good point. Like they they want as many people as possible to buy their bone reapers. Um, right. But whatever the heck bone reapers are, still have a a lot of uh character and individuality or they're they're not like the stuff that that any other company is selling on purpose right and i think this goes all the more so when you start talking about 40k and space marines again like the uh what's it called the the chaplain or whatever that always has the the skull mask on in 40k yeah um the you know the the skulls and dead people on everything in 40k is is not going away anytime soon right and they are everywhere mhm like if you don't like i don't know skulls bones dead things like this these games just won't appeal to you whatsoever like you have to be cool with painting like a thousand skulls a year to just be into this hobby yeah yeah you know the the new models they announced recently for ninth edition. Like the good guy has a full on skeleton stapled to the front of his <laughs> right. shield. Like this is the good guy that you're rooting for. Like the leader of the good yeah. guys that you're rooting for with a dead guy stapled to his shield. <laughs> yeah. So you know if you're worried about too mainstream, sanding off the edges, there are some edges that are not going to be sanded anytime soon. Yeah, I think the the grim darkness of it all. Like, yeah. They want to push that. They want to get right up to the line on there. And not so far over that they're getting into, like, super rated R right. uh, stuff. Well, do you want to talk about demonettes then? Sure. Yeah, like, uh, historically speaking, Games Workshop used to be a lot more rated R. They had nudity in their models. Um. And it's it's a weird thing because it's like they used to give that treatment a lot more only to female models. And that there is a pendulum swing 
on the way back. Like, I feel like right now we're kind of in the middle where they're not over-sexualizing the female characters, but they're not really doing them any justice either. So we're probably mm-hmm. still on that other swing, right? Like, that's that's going to continue to change, and we're going to get the cool sequiturs and the whatever is yeah. coming out, you know? Yeah. I, I like how a lot of the Sisters of Battle, like, are, are not are not pretty women like these right are, right yeah those those faces are you know hardened crazy yeah. fanatical warriors um yeah <laughs> and you know that's a that's a relatively new army and like there's no there's no edges sanded off there and if anything they're very similar to the sisters of battle that came out 20 25 years ago very the, a lot of the sculpts are very similar um I think I think maybe like the sisters Repentia maybe have a few more clothes this time around, but other than that, yeah, they're they're less stilettos, less stilettos. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now, if you do like the old uh, demonettes, the the demon ladies with their with the breasts hanging out, um, a couple you got a couple options. Like if if you're still into that. Um, those still exist. You can get those on eBay. Yep. Um, you know, the modern, the modern demonettes are a little different. Um, but you can still get the old ones on eBay. You can still, still play with those if you want. Um, you know, if you end up being at the game store and like some kids, uh, parents are around, like, you know, maybe kind of body block them from that part of your army a little bit. But, uh, yeah. um, and the other thing is if, if you like, uh, you know, that type of hard R rated model, you can get that from a lot of other companies and like, you know, the existence of games workshop paved the way for a company like creature caster to be selling essentially like greater demon stand-ins or demon prince stand-ins that are just giant demon ladies with two four eight breasts um like an odd number of breasts or like one of the breasts has like a baby's face crying on it or something or you know like you can ridiculous you can find ridiculous hard r rated stuff um as as alternate models from a lot of different companies yeah because of the success of games workshop and because they've chosen their their lane essentially it's opened that up for a lot of other companies to make whatever they want and like they're they're doing really well like creature caster is doing really well as a company or at least it seems like you know on the outside they keep making new stuff um yeah oh man i saw a picture of they're doing like a canada model and it's Uh, I, i don't know if you've seen this but it's like a moose except like crawling out of the moose's stomach is the giant face of a beaver. And this whole creature has a tail that has like a a goose head at the end of its tail. And so creature caster is one of those companies where I keep (laughs) looking at because the models are crazy and like, okay, one of these days I'm going to buy one of these. Um, Last year I did, I did get one for a, for a painting class with Sam lens. I got their, plague angel or something but it it still wasn't really like my type of thing wasn't totally my alley but i've always been looking at this company like someday they're going to come out with a model which uh one i'd be okay showing on my channel because a lot of their stuff is like this is cool but 
um i'm not getting demonetized by youtube over this over and uh, yeah nine <laughs> nipples <laughs> right 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 um yeah not not getting something with like an odd number of exposed breasts on you know some giant <laughs> demon whatever I mean, even even the moose thing you're talking about seems oh like no it's, it's so <laughs> it's messed up yeah this moose thing is messed up but uh but but I'm pretty sure it's messed up in a way that's okay for polite society and for YouTube monetization. So I'm, I'm it's I'm more like a turducken it. kind of a thing, but a, an ode to Canadian turducken, whatever that is, moose, beaver, goose. Yeah, it's... I I, I got to read about like whatever this artist was thinking, but it, I kind of love it, yeah. like just the the like way the moose's head is rearing back and stuff and. Um, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. I haven't seen it. The picture in my head is amazing. So if it's anything like that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there, there, there are all these small companies. Um, you know, a lot of them working in resin or whatever that are yeah. putting out crazy stuff. And you know, Warhammer is getting people into the hobby. And and if you are a person who's kind of you know gone through the Warhammer catalog and be like, okay, I'm still missing something here. What I'd really like is a demon, but with more, you know, fill in the blank, y- yeah. you can probably get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. not to mention 3D printing. Right. Yes. You can literally make whatever you want. <laughs> yes. And and just overall, I, before we leave the models here, um, every year they are having an incredible number of releases of new models. And it's generally true that you can always find older sculpts online. So it's yeah. just constantly more and more and more variety. Um, even even when they swap out, you know, the model for, you know, even when they swap out one of their model designs, you can still get it and nothing's really lost. It's just always more and more and more. And you can choose the the bits that you, that you really like. Um, so I am not concerned at all about, you know, the models becoming too mainstream. Um Games Workshop has a lot of reasons not to make them too mainstream. I mean, maybe keep them PG thirteen. They have they have motivation to do that, but um, there are others who fill in that gap. So, right on the models, no worries whatsoever from me. Yeah, they're. I I'm pretty sure they're gonna stay weird. Yeah. All right then. So realistically speaking, the models becoming more quote-unquote mainstream like rated pg all these other things don't take away from the overall hobby whatsoever no No. not in my opinion no all right i would agree i'm just trying to relate this back to the question as much as possible yeah yeah no the the question is you know what what is changing going on into the future if Games Workshop keeps, you know, growing as a company and growing as, you know, a force in the hobby and, and trying to get more and more people to to come in from the mall to, to check right. out this Warhammer store? Oh, that, that brings up a good point, though. Yeah? That all of the Warhammer stores are essentially just advertisements for Games Workshop, and they are put into malls. A lot of people go to malls, and if there is a nine titted sexy demon on the table, then Timmy's mom isn't going to buy him sexy nine titted demon. Right. They're going to leave. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's not good for that kind of advertising. Right, right. And long-term view, uh, the money from Timmy's mom is going to keep Games Workshop and other companies going. Um, but also, Timmy, uh, five years from now, Timmy's going to be a pretty cool dude. And right. five years from now, Timmy's going to be buying himself some uh, big titty demons from creature casters. Exactly. So, yeah. Cause creature caster will have had a place in the market to thrive. Right. Um, and the, the gateway, uh, game analogy is perfectly reasonable here. You know, if, yeah. if, if Warhammer is just kind of doing what it needs to do to act as, as a gateway to, to this hobby, then I'm, I'm all for it. Um, yeah, the 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 original question there was a little bit of like you know how do we keep the wrong type of people from getting involved in the hobby? If Timmy's interested right. in this hobby, Timmy's the right guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um Or or Tammy, you know, or Tammy, but yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people who play this game. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, do we want to transition to? Uh, the gameplay here, if, or or like if any of the the rules look like they're trending in a particular direction. Um, yeah, so I think the easiest way to just jump into this is is it is it that something like Age of Sigmar with a simplified rule set is taking the game and making it too mainstream so that just everybody can play, everybody gets it, you know, they can just jump right in. Um. How is that affecting the hobby? I don't think it is. Like, if anything, I think the Age of Sigmar-ification of Warhammer has made it more accessible. And since it's come out, the original iteration of those rules, I mean, you still have to buy countless amounts of books, you know, all of the supplements to even get there. So it's not like there's any less of a barrier to entry, you know, it's still expensive as hell. Right. Yeah. I've, I've been in the hobby for, or aware of the hobby for 20 years and to actually playing a game, there's still a barrier on me. Uh, so I think we, I think things need to be simplified down way farther than, than where they're at now to, yeah, for me to be happy, let let alone to try to drag new people in. So, <laughs> what would it take to make you actually play Warhammer more often, rules wise? Rule, okay, yeah, rules wise, yeah, <laughs> good, good. So, I the most I've played recently was actually at the start of eighth, eighth edition. Um, I went to a tournament or two, you know, I think I went to two tournaments and I played a handful of, of game days at, at friends' houses. Um, and at that point that was, uh, indexes, you know, when every army had just an index and just a, a really quick rules description getting into just when every army had a, had a codex, but there were no supplements and FAQs for right. the codex. There All was the no extras. Yeah. Um, what's it called? Psychic Awakening. There was no War of the Locust or or whatever it's called. There was, you know, there, there weren't two chapter approved, uh, to, to add on to everything. Yeah. And 
So <laughs> for for any game, like I understand why the people who are really involved need that uh, constant stimulus of changing up the meta a little bit, of adding in new things to get excited about, new things to try out. Like I, I totally get that. Um, you know, from playing uh, an online game like World of Warcraft, like you, you like the little patches that change something up a little bit or, or even add a new dungeon. Um, for Magic the Gathering, like I understand why they need to release new cards every three months or, or whatever the schedule is. But when for for Warhammer, like just to play the game, if you need to constantly be buying books, that's hard. Um, at least with something like Magic the Gathering, there are formats for that game that people actually play, like Commander or... Uh, yeah. Un unlimited or uh, I, I forget the names for the different they, formats they changed but, it yeah yeah but there there are formats where you could have not played magic the gathering for two years and a friend says hey you want to come over and, and play commander tomorrow night and you'd be uh sure you grab your deck from a couple of years ago and the the core rules of magic may have not changed like your your friend may be playing with a couple newer cards in their deck um, if they've yeah. been keeping it up with it a little bit more, but they are not playing with a new 200 page rule book for the way that magic, the gathering, uh, resolves. Right. Yeah. Which kind of goes to show like that. Well, for one, that magic is a well-designed game in general. Right. But now that if you're trying to play <laughs> for magic. Now, if you're trying to play the formats that are, um, Standard, I guess standard is the standard, format yeah. where you only play with the card sets from like the the last two years. Oh, it's even it's even less than that now. But yeah, eighteen basically. months or something. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a format com for competitive Magic where you're only playing with the the most recent year or two worth of cards, and that keeps you know the people who are really into it uh, involved and having fun and buying new packs, but it also means. Like if I take, uh, you know, six months off to do anything, um, yeah, and I come screwed. back to it, like now I need to buy two new sets of magic cards. I need to like change out most of my deck, um, which is, which is rough. It, it gets, um, but at least magic really does have expensive. the formats where it's easy to get back in. Um, yeah. Warhammer though. You know these these full edition changes every three years, and then during those three years, they're being like Space Marines alone had an index and I think two codexes over the last three years, which is a lot, um, a lot to well, keep yeah, up with. Well, yeah, like forty, so. fifty bucks a piece per book. Yeah. So. Yeah. So on on rules and rules releases like. Um, I mean, I understand that they need a, a constant input to keep the, the, you know, competitive crowd happy. But yeah. for, you know, the other 80% of people who play Warhammer, it's a lot to keep up with. Like, it's a, it's a burden. Yeah. And, and, and for, especially for a new person coming in, like at the end of 8th edition, um, you know, maybe the store manager is smart enough to say, all you need is the stuff in this little starter box, but... If there's a if there's a nerd standing near the cash register while you while the manager well, says that actually. they'll be like well actually 
um, you're going to want the chapter approved 2018, 2019. You're going to want right. uh, <laughs> you're going to want Psychic Awakening. Um, oh no, you're going to you need the Codex. But uh, if you want to ally these guys in, oh, you're going to want a box of these guys. So if you want to ally right. them in, you're going to need this Codex. And so overall, like on the rules front, um, it is nowhere near being too mainstream. Um, so there's, there's plenty of criticism there, but there is no worries that it's going to be so easy to get into the game that we're going to have, I mean, I don't even, (laughs) please, I, I don't know what's considered undesirable from, uh, from flooding the, the scene or whatever, but. I they, that's something that we'll circle back to. We'll, but, cir- we'll circle back yeah, to that, but they would. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, personally, I want them to dumb down the rules a lot, yeah. or or at least stop changing them so often would be great. So I have a I have a feeling, and it's, it's only kind of a hunch, that what they're trying to do with ninth edition, and maybe if it doesn't quite work out, tenth edition is get to a place where kind of Age of Sigmar is at, where the core rules are the same. And it's the the models and their books that change the way that that game is played. But the core rules are essentially the same. You know, they haven't changed a lot since it came out. And honestly, if it weren't for the fact that Age of Sigmar is the way it is, I probably wouldn't have gotten back into Warhammer at all. Mm. And I mean, I, I feel like that says a lot in that a lot of people probably are getting into it because it is easier to understand. It is more fun yeah. to just start a game and play. I don't have to worry about page 286 in the freaking fourth edition 40K rule book and then have the back of the book open or photocopy it four times so that everybody has a chart of whatever, whatever and blast markers and everything else, scatter dice. Like, mm-hmm. it gets to be a lot. And I remember that being fun when I was 12, when even then we only used what we actually knew how to use. Right. But it just got to be so much. It's like, well, I can't afford to do this. Yeah. I still have my 4th edition rule book. Like, I bought 8th edition 40K because it was a little simpler, and it looked like more fun. Right. Now I'll say I, uh, you know, reading them, I do like, you know, objectively or subjectively, I guess, but I, I do like some of the rule changes that they're making. Um, you know, I've complained about the fact that they, they change the rules so much, but, um, and the other thing that's, that's seems to be true with Warhammer. That's not true of other games is that not many people play the old editions. So that's for, true, yeah. For Dungeons and Dragons, like if you get some guys together to to play some Dungeons and Dragons, you get some friends together, some pals. Um, you, you the DM might say like we're playing uh, third edition or you know uh, edition three point five, and that was something yeah. really common during fourth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. I think a lot of groups played with an older rule set. Or a modified yeah. version of the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons, and yeah. that doesn't seem to be the case for Warhammer. Like very few people are playing seventh edition Warhammer. 
or because right. that would that would be even more stuff to remember. Like if right. if your friend calls you up, like, hey, do you want you know you got time on Saturday to to come over to my basement? We're gonna play some Warhammer. Oh, what what edition? I was thinking sixth. Uh, <laughs> nobody nobody does that. Like it's no. It, it seems to be the case in our community. Of course, I just said nobody does that. It's gonna get jumped People on for that, that one. People but, do. Uh, but you know who you are. We're not yeah, talking. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. you know who you are. You don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to to any weirdos many. out there who played yeah. an edition other than the current edition of Warhammer, please type which edition is your favorite. Don't just say from nostalgia which edition you liked the best uh, ten years ago. Tell us if you are actually currently like playing actively. an edition other than yeah. modern eighth edition forty k. That or, that is interesting. I would yeah. like to know that because that's. Yeah. It's not something you see. Right. I think I think most people feel like they need to play with the current edition of the game, which is why all of these rule changes are so oppressive. Um, oppressive, that's a good way to put it. But I think on on some rules, they are slowly working their way towards a game that is more fun than it's ever been. Yeah. Um you know, for me, one of the the hardest parts to get into, or the hardest part to enjoy about you know a game like Warhammer, is all of the the arguing that can happen, all of the ambiguity in when you're you right. know measuring charge distances, deciding whether something is in or out of cover, deciding whether something got hit with a blast temp template or not. You know, and the blast templates, I think they're They've made some changes in the last few years to get rid of, okay, I hit, I think five of the guys in this squad are under this big circle that represents my explosion. Yeah. Um, no, I think only four of them are in there. Well, it's more like four and a half. Well, is it half or is it not half? Like, um, Yeah, it starts to get a little bit too like, specific. It takes the fun out of it right away. It causes arguments. It causes... You know, yeah. rule lawyers and all these things that people don't like. Like, right. it's just taking more time away from actually pushing your toy soldiers around and blowing things right. up. And, of course, it's it's one of the beauties of the game is that it's not on a grid, that there is so much freedom to it, and you can use all kinds of crazy terrain in there. Yeah. And, you know, it gives it a lot of replayability. Like, I, I understand that the, some of that stuff is core to the game. Sure, sure. But... Um, if you can simplify some rules like, you know, how cover works and how, um, especially, you know, how an explosion works, and it looks like they're doing an even better job with blast weapons in this next edition, that makes sure that people are having more fun. And to get back to this example of uh, Timmy and Timmy's mom walking in from the, <laughs> walking in from the mall... <laughs> Yeah. Like what did they see when they get into that uh, into that game store? Describe right. the scene, Casey. Yeah. So you got two different kinds of scenes, right? On the one hand, you've got a couple of people playing a cool game with cool looking models that they're I mean, they're just having a good time, right? Nobody's arguing with each other. And on the other hand, you've got a couple of neck breathing nerve herders or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Neck breathing doesn't make sense. Whatever, whatever. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> like arguing over page 300 in a rule book, whether or not the fifth guy is being hit by a blast or not. And they're getting heated. Well, yeah. Timmy's mom's going to march Timmy right out of there. Doesn't matter if there's nine tits or not. 
she's not gonna let him play that game. Yeah, but the nine tits doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help. Yeah, but I would argue that people arguing over rules is probably more destructive. Right. Yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons to want your players to have fun playing your game, but but one of them is uh, if the game is actually fun to play, you're you're yeah. gonna get more players coming to it. Yeah. If if the rule is to make things more fun, then taking the complicated things out that aren't technically adding to your game, like, you're going to make a better game. Mm-hmm. And that's, overall, people are going to have more fun. People are going to see that when they walk by, and they're going to sell more plastic models. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So I'm weighing in on the side of I am ready for the game to be dumbed down even more than what it is. Yeah. And uh we'll we'll see if we hit a, a floor on that in terms of you know going going too far and, and just being checkers or something, but I think the I think the sweet spot is gonna be at a place where we can have a rule book or a rule set that lasts for quite a long time. And then a handful of things that change the way that our armies play. Mm-hmm. Like, you're never going to get the balance just right. So they're always going to have to have FAQs and things like that. But that's a lot easier to remember if you can just write that into a back of a codex or something. And be like, oh, don't forget, they changed this because my army sucks unless this mm-hmm. is going on, you know. Like, you're going to want those little things. But if it's like, yeah, I bought a couple of books, and I'm good for like five, six years, like, I'm going to want to invest in that. Because what happens at the end of 8th edition when you buy, you know, five Blight Haulers for your Death Guard, and you can only run two in ninth edition? Like, it's going to piss you off. Did that happen? I think that happened. <laughs> like the whole spam thing is gone or so I can't remember, but something like that, right? It's going to make you upset and you're not going to want to invest in the models and in the books and in all this stuff. Like it needs to be at a level that can maintain for a good amount of time. Right. Like most people don't even paint an, an entire army within the time span of a new edition. That's very true. That uh, Yes. Uh, that's me for sure. Is that you also? Uh... I mean, I feel like I'm a little better about it. I have a couple of painted armies, but but even then, I've only painted a couple of armies since Age of Sigmar has come out. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same. Right. I don't have a, a fully painted 40k army. Right. I mean, we're we're obviously not up on the meta, but if the addition change happens and your 10 drop pods are now good for nothing... Right. Um, yeah, it's even harder, it's even more of a barrier to get into the game if the editions are changing so much that, um, you know, the kind of the relative value of the units or even the, the, (laughs) the legality of even fielding so many of a certain thing changes so often that you need to constantly be, you know, (laughs) buying and selling and buying and selling like that makes it even harder to get into. So, right. On on rules, I am, yeah, I'm I'm settled. Like the the rules are not making things too mainstream or too easy to get into. They are slightly walking in that direction sometimes, uh, but then they go and release uh, 
uh, psychic awakening or or something and just go the other direction, make everything harder again. But some of the yeah. rules are good. All right. Um, so kind of the last big uh, subheading that we have here on kind of what, what things are changing uh, at GW and in the community is kind of like the, the overall environment, overall attitude, what types of people are in a game store, who are the new people that you're attracting. Um, so I think this all goes back to, to Timmy or Tammy and their mother. Um, when they walk into, uh, you know what, let's, let's, we're not even going into a Warhammer specific <laughs> store. We're going into independent, uh, locally owned game store that happens to have, uh, uh, you know, some of the regulars in there playing games. Uh, Casey set the scene, take us through it. Let's see here. In my experience of going into a majority of game stores, right? Bunches. So you open the door. It's pretty dark, you know, it's lit all right. You've got a, a set of tables that go pretty far back into a, like a large space. The walls are lined with boxes. Generally, there's paints and people sitting down and talking. It's not overly loud, but the further you get into it, the louder it gets. And there are people arguing about what's going on in these tables. Yeah, I, I, I've lost my mental image. All right, let me let me see if I can continue. You were you were doing a good job. You were laying it out well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna say it. So it's a lot of white guy nerds, uh, yeah, varying yeah. degrees of uh, style and um, hygiene, and uh, that's that is my most common experience walking into a game store. A lot of you know, kind of every uh, variety of uh, yeah, for the most part, white guy nerds. I mean, I've I've lived in Maine and Massachusetts and Wisconsin in my life so that has something to do with it um and you know you've That's you've got your point. days where where they're they're all ha having a great time and and laughing and you've got some days where there's uh, a bit of sourness uh going around and some of them some of them look up to see the new person walking into the store a lot of them don't a lot of them are are pretty focused on what it is that they're doing right at the time um, yeah. And so I, I think there's kind of in all of this is who are you walking through that door for the first time? What are your impressions? Is this a place that you're going to want to stay? Like nowadays when I walk through, <laughs> I should be clear when I, when I walk into one of these, uh, dens of nerds, like I feel like these are my people. Um, you know, this is of course, of course, this is where I'm going. Like I, right. this is what I do. Uh, this is what I where I where I go, who I hang out with. Um, yeah, let's let's see what the new releases are. Let's let's see what's going on at that table. There's some cool terrain at that table. What's going on over there? Is that bolt action? Oh, man, like maybe maybe one of these guys will see me looking at the table and they'll say hi and we'll we'll, we'll talk about their ruined building thing. <laughs> I don't know. Their their bricks that they have scattered all over the table. Um but if you're, yeah. but if you're a new, let's say, let's say you're a, you're a normie, you're a, you know, you're, maybe you've heard of Catan and you've played <laughs> some cards against humanity and you, you see those, um, but, but are you going to get sucked into all the rest of it? Like, do you want to get sucked into all the rest of it? 
I mean, I I feel like if you're already into Catan, like probably. <laughs> oh, uh, hot take: Catan is the worst game made by humans. Catan is. Is it? Catan is awful. I um, played it. I own a copy and still haven't played it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually own a copy too. It might be it might be around with me. Um, no, that's one Funny. of those gateway games that uh, it's a. Yeah. Uh, you know, a board game other than Monopoly that gets people thinking about it because it's vaguely fantasy-esque. Right. It's like you land at a brand new island and you're you're making your cultures. And I don't think there's actually much combat there. It's, it's economic warfare of, of right, building right. up your cities on the new island. But I, I, the thing I hate about the game is, like, as you get farther and farther into the game, like, just every person's turn, you need to be double-checking whether or not you get a sheep and, and whether or not you get, like, some lumber. And so... Yeah. Just the, like the bookkeeping and the, yeah, it's it's not like you're paying attention to interesting details. It's like as the game goes on, you have to pay attention to more and more minutia to f- see if you get one more lumber or not. And, and anyway, right. w- worst game ever designed, but <laughs> but it got it got more people to think about you know specialty board games and to think sure, about board sure. games that you know have more and more minis and think about painting minis and. Uh, it has its place. It has its place. Okay, so a normie is someone who may have heard of or played Catan once with a group of people, but wouldn't mm-hmm. go into a conversation like like uh, you just laid down about Catan. Oh, oh, you're, okay. So you've gotten to the point where they're already talking to the people in the game store. Possibly. Okay. Um. Uh, they're they're stepping through the door. The uh, the bells are jingling on the door. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're seeing the tables with the nerds. They're seeing the displays with a few games they kind of recognize. You know, some some boxes that kind of look like something they've seen at Borders before, or or maybe you know, somewhere Target. Um, Target's a good one. They're yeah. they're seeing a lot of uh, boxes. Uh, something called Warhammer. They're seeing, um, you know, the little counter with all the Magic cards behind it. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about it. Not sure what's going on. Hmm. I mean, I think the the overall point I want to make here is: uh, Does this new person, whoever they are, feel feel welcome? Do they want to learn more, or is there just a feeling of time to leave immediately? Like, is there? I mean, okay. So, like, when my wife comes to the hobby shop with me, like, she wants to leave pretty quickly. Yeah. And not that anybody comes up to her, talks to her, does anything, but it's uh, it is an awkward like you're not quite welcome here feeling. Um, the the seeing of like I don't recognize this person or I don't recognize this uh, this trope of person spending much time right in, in yeah. this place yeah yeah so now if we go she sits in the car. Ooh yeah well well let's get into this Casey like. <laughs> Have you, have you guys had a discussion on that? Like, I'm not weirdly like, no, not entirely. She just doesn't like going in, I guess. I don't know if it's the same kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I and is that, is that choice? Is that, that choice? Like she thinks she's doing you a favor or does she, is she just doing herself a favor? And you know, I mean, I'd say she's phone. probably doing herself a favor. <laughs> like, Generally, the hobby shop I go to is is, is pretty full. There's usually games going on. But, like, she likes magic. She knows how to play magic. 
she can talk to people about magic. So it's not like she isn't into some of the stuff that's in there. So I don't, I don't know what else is going on. I've never actually had that conversation. I might have to have that conversation. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, let's take it back to Timmy and Tammy there. What about when, when a young person walks into a game store? How are they feeling? I mean, the young person's probably feeling pretty good, not even realizing the <laughs> the surroundings that they're in. They see all the boxes, right? Um, sure. I think the mom might be a little more concerned. Yeah. Just seeing a bunch of dudes, like not necessarily in the most hygienic state. Well, I was games, I was right? definitely that kid growing up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like 10, 11, 12, I played uh, a lot of Star Wars customizable card game. And okay, yeah. uh, like to the point where I was entering the tournaments every month and like I was placing in the tournaments every month. And so, um, yeah, my my uh, mother, mother especially would take me to the game store and like, you know, in retrospect, kind of look around uneasily. Uh, right. And all, all these, these like thirty-year-old dudes with their sweatpants, <laughs> and that you know, they, um, I'm remembering specifically several guys that looked like the you know the comic book guy from the Simpsons, right, yeah. and like it was it was all of those tropes in there, and of course I'm you know running up to the counter to see uh, what the they had like silent auctions going on for individual cards, and they had you know their their singles they were selling, and you could see what packs they had back. You know I'm you're absolutely right. Like as a kid, I was focused on the the product, yeah. and um, you know, as a as a younger person, I was much less even aware uh, of right. a lot of the other people in the room at first. Um, even even to the point, like during the actual tournament games, uh, just as a young person, I was very focused on the game, on the cards in my hand, and very almost unaware of. <laughs> you know the social interaction that I was supposed to be having with my opponent across the table, but right. But yes, I I do in retrospect remember uh, like my mother kind of joking about uh, leaving her son at at <laughs> one of these stores for like, a Saturday essentially. Um, right, and, just like these people are babysitting you now. Right, <laughs> like, and and it's like and that guy who looks just exactly like the the comic <laughs> book guy from The Simpsons uh, with his you know sweatpants and his you know nacho <laughs> stains and everything like uh, that. Um, uh, good luck with your game, honey. Uh, hope you don't. Yeah. Something, something. Yeah, hope, <laughs> no. hope you don't grow up to be uh, too much right. like this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember going into a hobby are, shop yeah. when I was younger, and like, I did not feel very welcome. Like, uh, the hobby shops in my area were mostly trains or RC, but mm. a few of them had Games Workshop products. So there were some paints and like a small wall of models, pretty limited selection. Um, which is really why I started buying stuff off of eBay so long ago because it's a much larger selection even back then. Um, you didn't have to pay GW prices, <laughs> but yeah, like I would go in and I would ask about something. I'd say, well, do you have Warhammer stuff or whatever? Um, or do you have anything new <laughs> in? And they would just be very dismissive. And not really want to answer my questions. Like, they just didn't care. 
So whenever I got dropped off at the hobby shop, it's like nobody in there, there, nobody's playing games or doing anything. It's like a bunch of older dudes who were probably trained guys who were just like, get out of your kid, like with your $8 paintbrushes and little tiny paint pots and all that. So I don't know. I, I just never felt really welcomed going into yeah. a, a hobby shop. So I think in all this, you know, something I want to talk about is how much difference like a really small thing can make for, for the experience, the overall experience of someone walking in there. Like you go in, let's just say there's 10 nerds playing some, some, uh, a couple of different games in, in the store. Um, and let's just say one nerd just takes the time to say, you know, Hey, how you doing? What, you know, what's, uh, what do you like to play? Like the difference between, you know, out of those 10 people, one person just doing a little bit of friendly interaction versus, um, no person going for friendly interaction, but you hear one person say, uh, you know, dyke or, or retard, or, you know, you hear, um, like nobody, nobody is talking to you, but you hear some nerds arguing and they're being uh, uncool. Yeah, yeah, it'll change your mind pretty quick, I think. Yeah. Um, and if if my parents were in the shop with me when I was younger and something like that happened, like we probably would have left pretty quick. Yeah. 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 Um. So for for. All of this talking about like the overall feel and inclusivity and stuff. Um, I think that's a fairly small. I, I don't think it takes too much to really change the experience of someone who is new to the store. Um, right. Just just a little bit of kind of a, a willingness to look up from what you're doing. You know that door opens, the bell rings. Um, you know, kind of rattles again as the doors close and look up, see who's there. Um, you know, don't be annoying, but if, if they're walking near your game table, like say hi to them, like, you You know, Hey, we're playing bolt action. Like, uh, especially going through racks and stuff. It's usually right up against tables. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, this is many years ago, ago now, but, uh, I used to, this cat is going crazy. Uh, (laughs) Um, so many years ago I, I did CrossFit. And there was about a year of my life where I was really into CrossFit. Uh, and things are starting to make sense now. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's all coming together, <laughs> just all these bits of who we are, you know? Um, <laughs> but one of the fun things about that as compared to any other gym I've been at is there was kind of a, a house rule. If, if someone walks in here and you don't recognize them, um, introduce yourself. And, and so the idea was kind of, you know, maybe there's, there's 10 people working out, uh, in this gym together. And the idea was, okay, you're, you're going to forget names, but like, you've at least been introduced to all of these people and, and you've kind of, uh, started to really form a, a social contract there. You're, you're doing the same thing together. You have the same interests, you're spending time in the same place yeah. and it, it, you know, it doesn't take that much to just start the ball rolling on having like an actually positive social interaction with somebody. Um, whereas like every other gym I've ever been to, it's very much, you go in, you, (laughs) uh, you pull on your cable machine and you do not talk to anybody. 
um, maybe, maybe, hey, are you going to be done with that soon? How many more sets (laughs) do you have left? Uh, Are you sure you don't want to spot her on that? uh, Every once in a while. That that last one seems a little friendly. (laughs) Like, I just want to make sure you're not going to die. Right, right. That seems Uh, cool. I got you, though. Yeah. Um, but but that's just a very different experience. Like just just the act of you see someone new in this place where you are all spending a decent amount of your time, or you know you're going theoretically for for recreation. Um, just just introduce yourself. Just know the name of this other person. That starts a conversation. You get to start to know something about them. But you know, I've been. Yeah. You know, there's places I've lived where um, I never go to the gym particularly consistently, but like, you know, I've gone to like the same gym for several years and I will recognize the regulars, but I will have never talked to them like, oh, hey, it's that guy for however long you've been going. Yeah. Oh, hey, is that guy who always has the little notebook or like the, you know, it's always that that one huge guy, you know, he like you recognize a lot of the regulars in there. And, um, but you don't know their name. You've, you may have literally never spoken to them and, you know, I get it to play a game. You have to talk, but like, um, just a little extra effort of just saying hi to, to everybody in the space that you're sharing, I think can go a a long way. And, you know, I don't know if, uh, games workshop, you know, like talks about that much, but but part of the, you know, Warhammer is for everyone and inclusivity is just getting to know the folks around you. Oh, for sure. Because it's, I mean, so many people make judgments based off of whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, without ever getting to know someone. Yeah. And that, that's always the problem. Like, we're all human beings. Like, we all have a story. So you don't know. Right. Yes, yeah, saying hi or something. Like I would love to to go to a hobby shop where, you know, it's like how you go to a good restaurant or something and everybody says bye when you leave, right? Like it's something similar to that. I I wonder the kind of impact that, that would have on a small community. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, like uh again, I've been to like two Warhammer tournaments, but I remember, you know, introducing myself to someone other than my opponent. And, uh, sometimes it was a very natural, like, oh, oh, hey, I'm Brad. And, and sometimes it was like a, a deer in the headlights, like, <laughs> no, no, like we're all, we're all here to like hang out and Some people we all love awkward. this. <laughs> um, but even, even just the, the difference of like, there's 10 people in a store, you walk in, one person looks up, uh, almost makes eye contact and immediately looks down at the table again <laughs> yeah. versus like someone just a second of like eye contact and giving you a smile. It's like you. it's the little stuff makes a difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, I should so, just open a shop to do that for. Let's do a social experiment. Oh sure, and and, and you can be the change in that situation. And uh, I will say that. Um, a lot of game stores I have been to, there are a couple people who are very outgoing and no, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to make the point like these people don't exist. I was, I was actually trying oh, to yeah. make the point that these people do exist and they're awesome and I wish there were more of them. Right. I, yeah. I do wish there were more of them because I have been into perfectly good hobby shops before. In fact, like, um, 
a hobby shop reached out to me when I was barely started on YouTube. And the guy was like, hey, I really like your stuff. Like, I own this shop. I, I'd love to just send you something. And it's like, you don't have to. But my P.O. box is posted on the thing, you know, <laughs> like it just is. And and so he sent me stuff and I was like, well, that's really cool, you know. And it turns out that the shop is only like three hours away from where I am. So last summer uh, on my way down from uh, like a longer drive away, I was on vacation. Uh, I stopped by and it, it happened to be like legitimately the nicest hobby shop I've ever been to. And his entire philosophy is like, well, I love games. I love introducing people to games. Um, and I want to cater to the kinds of people who play games. So he had three separate full-sized hobby shops that was like this strip mall, right? And they, you know how the stores are just right next to each other? Mm-hmm. So in this case, he, he had like the main store that just had a crap ton of board games and Warhammer stuff and painting and like a lot of stuff. And there were a few people kind of hanging out, talking. They had some tables if you wanted to paint or whatever. In the entire store, like the shop store next to that was the wargaming hall. And you open the door and it's like, well, the volume just went up by 10 times because there are wargamers in there. and People are excited and talking and talking over each other and there's things going on. The store next to that was for card games. So mm-hmm. your magics and your Uglios and all that. So it was a little quieter. People were more reserved and there were things in there that catered to them specifically. It was really cool. Like how it was set up. And the best part is every single one of the shops in this shop had like senses and stuff going with like a very nice scent. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I don't know. It was just super welcoming. It smelled nice. The, <laughs> the the stuff was laid out nicely. And it was in such a way for the different kinds of hobbyists that would come in. And I've just never seen that before. I've never been into a hobby shop like that before. And I would love it if there was a hobby shop that catered to people even half as much as that in my hometown. <laughs> yeah, that's... If, if you have a hobby shop near you, that is such an awesome thing. Like, yeah, it, it really is. Um, and of course, we're recording this whole segment. Um, we're we're still <laughs> way into uh COVID times here, so yeah, in the midst there, of you there can't aren't, do uh, anything or go very, anywhere, <laughs> there sadly are not uh, a lot of people actually playing games at, at game stores right now. Um, at least in my area, they're they're starting to open back up for, for retail, but not letting too many people in at once and, and all that stuff, yeah. But, um, all of this is talking about past experiences and hopefully future experiences here. Um, that, that question we got, you know, referred to like, uh, undesirables in, in the gaming group, um, which, you know, I have a immediate disagreement with, uh, well, that, that's the thing that I was, I was kind of getting at earlier is that it also says like, by by no means do I think that Warhammer should avoid new people coming in. But then in the very next sentence, like, but, uh, you know, yeah, people who are of a certain kind of people 
that yeah. ruin hobbies like what does that even mean that they're, yeah they're i mean to, to be fair that's uh that's exactly what the games workshop post has said is warhammer is for everybody is but uh not for you uh, you can you can get out of here like, <laughs> right yeah. i i do i do agree with you that that was probably uh, uh like a mistake for them to leave that yeah. in like yeah. i get the i get the level of punctuation they wanted to put on that sentence i get it right right but in doing so probably caused more problems than they were intending sure sure but um you you were also making the point of you know just the act of you know talking to somebody and getting to know them goes a long yeah. way to figuring out if they're uh undesirable or not and right. you don't know if somebody is undesirable until you uh <laughs> yeah and and by undesirable i mean like play a game with somebody at least once um yeah now after you've played a game with them once you can decide whether you ever want to play a game with them again but that um, is very true i think i think a lot of people might surprise you if you do give them that first game and before you give them that first game i i don't think i don't think you can make an assessment about anybody before you play a game with them well, yeah, you you have you really do have to just give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they're obviously in a hobby shop with you. Right, they want to play a game. Right. So why wouldn't you give them the benefit they, of the doubt, regardless of what they look like? Yeah, there are there are plenty of barriers to getting into this hobby, and there are plenty of other things people could be doing instead of uh, hanging out in that hobby shop. So yeah, if they are. If they are are at all a person who might someday be persuaded to go into a hobby shop and try out painting and try out this type of game, um, then they are probably close enough to to your type of person to at least give them a game. Yeah. Right. Regardless there, of anything else. There's a lot of self selection there. Yeah. 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 Like, nerds got a nerd. Yeah. It's just how we do it. Right. Yeah. Somebody. Now, well, this is a whole episode, different episode of, <laughs> of uh, what what stereotypes go with which army. But like, if they are remotely, Ooh, okay. <laughs> we'll write that one down uh, <laughs> yeah. for for a future offensive topic ideas. Yeah, extremely offensive topic. Yeah, well, we which to I honestly <laughs> didn't think was a thing until like somebody mentioned it not even that long ago, and we're just like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, why do you think that that goes with that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh uh, yeah, let me tell you about orc players. Right, know. that's what I'm saying though. Yeah. Like, that and that that example specifically has come up several times more recently, and I'm every time I'm just like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I play orcs. I like orcs quite a bit. Yeah. What the hell does that say about me? Means I like friggin' orcs. It's the problem. I mean, Orcs specifically, it might mean that you uh, don't care about losing, um, that you are more inclined yeah, yeah. to yell Wah! at people. Okay, sure. I've become, I've become a little more attuned to like when my microphone clips, so I can't do it right now, but uh, you know what I say when I say Wah! <laughs> Wah. You, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Um, let's see, you, you, you might like uh, conversions more, you know, building buggies out of trash, like... There are, there are some things you can associate with orc players fairly. You know reasonably. why I play orcs, Brent? What? You know why I play orcs? Why do you play orcs? Because the Iron Jaws has a low model count. I don't have to paint that many to have a full army. 
Oh, I wasn't saying Oryx. I, I was saying O R K S. Right. Oryx. Or or O R C S. <laughs> I don't know anymore. I don't know. O R R U K S. Or Z. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, but uh, okay, maybe maybe you can judge somebody a little bit by their army, but uh, I mean, you know. there are personalities within each army. Yes, that's right. non-deniable. But I'm talking about the more offensive versions of those things. Right. If somebody walks, if somebody goes through all of the steps needed to walk into a game store, even with an unpainted army, um, you yeah. you might have something in common with them. You you might be able to have a fun game with them. Um, separate episode. I think you would have a more fun game playing against a painted army. But uh, very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's maybe where some some of us might differ a little bit. You, mm. know what I mean? you come into the game store with an unpainted army. Well, I think you need to leave, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like your kind here. <laughs> exactly. We don't is that the only time when you could be genuinely offensive to someone and kick them out of a store like <laughs> like your models are not painted go I'm home sorry. think about what you did and <laughs> exactly. get, a, get a can of spray paint yeah. at least prime them and you know spray them with like a zenith over just over the top just just rattle can then maybe we'll consider it yeah no when i mean i, I frequently say that i don't have a like a fully painted army I do have enough kind of painted models that I can cobble together an RB sure, that sure. mostly has paint on it. And so I am, I am never a, a shining example of this either. Like, right. It, I, out of my friend group, I'm actually, I'm the one that gets crap for, uh, for not having Dude, a fully painted army. So. That is the worst. It's like, where are you going to find time to paint an army? Right. I mean, you could certainly make time. You you just twenty four hours this, and you're good. You <laughs> I, got, I suppose you I could get full, it done. Yeah, I just like, do that. If a guy couple can more do times. it in in twenty four hours, you can do it. Yeah. Come on now. No, you're right. You're right. You did that like two weeks in a row. That's like eight thousand points of army. Yeah. In like a week and a half. That was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Check out just say no winter excuses. minis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we want to touch on this, but um, do we, do we want to talk about uh, kind of kind of the awkwardness of of a of a nerd like you or me playing a game against uh, either you know a woman or um, sure. I also have written down here young child, but those are two different experiences. So um, I, I think we hit on the the younger child thing a little bit. How you yeah. were saying, like you didn't necessarily pay attention, or whatever the case, like. Yeah, no, yeah, I, that's, that's I, I definitely was way focused on the cards in my hand and very focused on like what I wanted to do with my next turn and, you know, kind of paying attention to what they were doing on their turn at the card game. But like, you know, just, um, you know, just a younger person, lower, lower maturity, lower awareness. Like I, I sure. wasn't, I wasn't engaging with my opponent. I wasn't having a conversation. I wasn't, uh talking about what you know what's your favorite new card from from this expansion like uh right uh, oh man you have a lot of those is, is there ever just been a card you've gotten way too many of like what's your <laughs> what's your least lucky like what's what's the thing you hate getting the most in in, in your rare slot you know, I, 
I wasn't I wasn't actually having a conversation with my opponents. I was right, right. I, I was playing my hand and saying, <laughs> "Your turn, uh, force drain for two. Uh, I right. attack here. Uh, three, uh, three attrition damage. You know, I I was doing that's that's the conversation I was having uh, right. with my opponents at that age. And so so you could definitely think that like playing against a kid uh, for something arguably more complex you know warhammer Mm -hmm. that would be a little tough i mean i I think some people might prefer that approach that you're talking about just like this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it your turn um but i think people are usually there to have a good time have conversation and yeah kids are kind of all over the place you never know if they're gonna be those kind of kids or (laughs) if they're just gonna you know read a book yeah so so in that circumstance i mean uh i i i'm sure i was not a fun opponent for most people to play with i'm sure like a lot of people were upset when they got me in the draw <laughs> but um but right. on the other hand i am glad that they they at least tolerated me um and that and, that's pretty uh, awesome i i grew into a person who uh, am now more of a fun person to play against and, and that's <laughs> Part of growing the hobby is is literally growing people into, into fun opponents. So, yeah, well, yeah, and I mean, like tolerating <laughs> playing against a, a young child, like I yeah, mean, that's I, probably I the correct second approach. pairing in a in a tournament or something. Like, okay, well, let's let's see how this second game goes. Like, um, right, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't getting like a lot of pickup games from from random adults. I, <laughs> right, I wasn't just looking like, for them either. Come but... over and do some of this. Like we're all done. <laughs> <laughs> we're all done. Ooh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. look, your mom's here, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's. I mean, like I said earlier, like going into the hobby shop, I I could tell that the people who were in there were just like, Ugh, you know, when when when's he gonna leave? Mm. Like, don't ask me another question about citadel and pewter versus plastic and you know anything they didn't care at all yeah it's it's amazing the difference just a a slight attitude change on one person on one day will make to to entirely affect whether someone gives the the hobby a chance and yeah yeah, thanks for telling that story like i'll be more mindful of that too yeah absolutely right (laughs) i mean i i I definitely, like, when I go into a hobby shop, I definitely try and talk to everybody as if that was me going into that hobby shop when I was younger. Hmm. Um, I mean, I've I've only, you know, organically run into and talked to, like, a handful of children at a hobby shop. It just doesn't happen very often. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something I try and keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me let me switch it up then. Um, Sweet is is uh, you know playing a game with uh, a woman different than playing a game with a gay? Is that a different experience? Mentally speaking, or like gameplay, anyway. whatever it is, like yeah. Overall, it is there is probably zero difference other than the fact that if the person across the table from you is somehow like your type of person 
right? Like you were attracted to that person. Then mm-hmm. you might have a different game, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Like you might be awkward. Right. Um, and that's, um, you know, that's a, a concern that has, I don't want to say like validity, but it's, but it's an interesting thing because there, there's, uh, something real going on there. Like, right. um, some, some chemistry. Yeah. Any, any time you're, you're put together in close quarters with, uh, with a person you're attracted to. And, you know, of course in a game group, it could be, uh, maybe you're a gay guy and, and you, there's the possibility of being attracted to, to anybody you're, you're playing a game with. But, um, yeah, that, that is a different social interaction and that requires, uh, a, a different uh, outlook to to get through that game and uh, be paying attention to the right things and and uh, yeah. not making a fool of yourself and everything, um, right? Like traditional mating rituals amongst humans, like right, you right, don't right, want right. to just do the wrong thing. Of course you don't. Yeah, but it's a possibility, right? Yeah, like, that's just a possibility. But I've you know I've kind of heard that as an argument for you know keeping games to be like a boy club it's just it's just the guys hanging about sure, hanging sure. out you know you don't have to worry about all that stuff like it's just just here to play some games and uh you know i mean again it boils down to that it'll be more fun and less stressful for us if we if if there aren't uh you know also like two cute women around or or whatever i mean unlike if you look at it as like the lowest form of maturity and intelligence. Yeah, that'd be way easier. Like, you do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. You don't have to be a good person. If everybody else is cool with it. But, like, where does that go? What does that do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the overall theme that... I wanted to get to on, on all this, like, you know, attitude and, and going into a game store is you're, you're there to have fun. Um, but make sure that, you know, your fun isn't at the expense of anybody else's, uh, right. make sure that you're aware of allowing other people to have fun too. Like this, this idea of not letting in a soup, certain group of people because it would be, uh, slightly more awkward for you or, um, yeah. Or, or whatnot, just um, a slight change in your behavior. Uh, if that's the cost of somebody else coming and having a fun game, um, yeah, that's a fair trade. Like that's, and and you should care enough about you know the experiences of others to be willing to make that trade. Um, yeah, you know that. That being said, uh, we'll we'll turn it to humor there, Casey. But uh, if I'm at if I'm at a Warhammer tournament. And I'm paired against some pretty lady. How do I impress her, Casey? Oh, okay. What, First what do of I all, do? Brent, you really do need a fully painted army. I need your army. tips on this one. <laughs> yeah, fully painted army, hundred percent. Uh huh. Apparently, okay. um, all right. You play like dark Eldar, something real, real spiky and dark, mm. mysterious. Mm. Um, and then uh, let's see here. What else? Would you have to do? Personally, for you, you gotta let your hair down, Brent. You gotta wave it. Oh yeah, write that one down. Yep, yep, yep definitely yep. write that yep. down. Yep. Um, let's see here. Play to your strengths. <laughs> yeah, play to your strengths. You, you got that going for you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about CrossFit a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yep, yep. Uh, check, check, check. Um, maybe ask her if, um, yeah, if she she's... likes CrossFit. Right. There you go. Okay. What were you going to say? I was going to say something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, um, I don't know. Like, I know, I know some people have a hard time talking to women. Like, yeah. and probably a majority of the people in this hobby, like, maybe not a majority, maybe that's over speaking, but like a good amount of people in this hobby do. And I, I think it just is a matter of like getting to a place where you can just have a conversation with a person. Like, you know, if you're in a, a, a store or something and you're checking out, right? your groceries like you, you have to have a, a an interaction if you're playing warhammer with someone that you're attracted to talk about warhammer because you both like it is a real great place to start <laughs> like that's good you advice, start casey getting a little weird about that like if you seriously brought up and you're just like hey hey what do you think of crossfit and you're like turn to laying down some lizard men like she does not want to talk about CrossFit right now. Oh, that was not serious advice? Okay. Right. <laughs> well, the hair thing, I think I think you're gold with that. You should definitely do that. Okay. Uh, uh, listeners, let us know. Uh, no, no, but for real, though. Um, more people more people in the game store is always a good thing, unless any of them is infected with uh, any... Uh, communicable diseases uh, like coronavirus. So um, in 2021, I'm really looking forward to uh, spending some more time in a game store. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. Casey, I hope one opens up near you. That'd be cool. I... Yeah, like the closest one to me like closed. <laughs> so now I have to drive. I mean, it's only like an extra 20 minutes, but like still kind of yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I guess the, the only other note I have here, uh, in, in terms of like being worried about, you know, change to the hobby, uh, sure. this has been around for a long time. Um, to my yeah. eyes, it does not look like it's going anywhere for, for kind of every topic we've talked about here. It seems like change is not happening very fast, or if it is, it's really not a bad thing. Um, and then the, right. the final thing I'd right. say, like, the most likely thing to change in your life that'll change your Warhammer experience is like the friend that you play Warhammer with is going to get married or move to a different state or, yeah. you know, uh, get accepted into college across the country or, or something like that. The, the most likely change that you'll have to deal with in all of this is something in your own life. Like the Warhammer 40k especially is so established at this point. It's not going anywhere. It's got a ton of inertia behind it that, you know, yeah. almost every aspect of it is not going to be changing very quickly at all. Um, and should be something that you can keep coming back to throughout your life. And um, That's certainly the hope, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would not want Games Workshop to, what is it? Uh, what did he say? just shut down and yeah i um it's kind of you know whether you you tailor to the times or do you just burn out and shut down um yeah and 
I don't think they're doing a whole lot of tailoring to the times other than that they have a community page where they post updates about upcoming products now and take right. feedback about their upcoming products. That's that's probably been one of their biggest like forward facing changes like hey, we want to actually talk to you. Right. And see what's um, going on. Whereas before they're like everything is behind closed doors and we're doing whatever we want. <laughs> yes. I mean that is not a massive change, but it does make a difference. Like people feel like they have a voice that can be heard by the people who work there. Like I got to hang out with Peachy for like four hours and talk to him about yeah. Warhammer stuff. You know, yeah. like he wasn't in England anymore. I was here like pretty close to my house. So like they are reaching out. They want to be part of the community. They like to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, They've been doing a lot of good stuff, and of course, then they go and, and announce another price increase, and it's uh, like, <laughs> so oh, just okay, classic, to try and, classic. Yeah, you almost prices. had us. You almost <laughs> right. had us. Like good, good one, G- Games Workshop. Yeah, um, did it again. Yep, Warhammer right. is for everyone who can afford it, which is actually a whole that's, different topic ooh, about yeah, that's uh, a whole other kind of pricing thing. people out of the hobby and and pricing. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Tammy's mom can afford it, but Tammy with her uh, babysitting or lawn mowing or whatever cannot afford a box of Imperial Guard troops anymore. So, not um, since '92. <laughs> <laughs> that that'll be a good one. We should talk about on another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we're kind of wrapping up here, but uh, I don't know. Uh, overall, I am. I am optimistic about the the entire um, industry, I guess. like The direction and community and backing yeah. and all the things in the wargaming community, community have been amazing. Like, seriously, since I've come back, I have felt, like, overwhelmingly welcomed and that things are just going in such a cool direction that I yeah. can't wait to see what comes next. Yeah. Yeah, there are a ton of little companies, which means that a ton of little companies will eventually go out of business. But like, there's unfortunate, but unfortunately, but a lot of them will stay around and become slightly larger, almost medium-sized companies. Games Workshop will continue to be the big one for a while, but again, Games Workshop does not seem like it's going anywhere. It's it's doing what it does, and those and those price increases. I mean, again, you can shake your head, but that that you know, almost leaves even more room, uh, for the smaller companies, um, yeah. to be like, yeah. Um, yeah. To make sure that they're turning a profit on all their models because they can bump up their, their prices slightly more, or they can be, you know, more competitive because they're an obviously better buy than, uh, than a box of 20 year old Imperial Guard models or, you know, whatever. Well, yeah. Like look at Kings of War just mm. come out of nowhere with that new edition and tons of like really cool models. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, we, we got a question about, uh, things changing and, um, yeah, most things seem to be changing slowly or generally slowly wandering in the right direction, except for price. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Chin, chin up. I think things are all right. You know, <laughs> yeah. things are good. Well, on that note, Thank you again for joining us on another episode of Paint Bravely. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to the YouTube channel, and sharing this message with your hobby friends. 
As always, we appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. We'll talk to you next time. And I apologize for my sickness. I apologize for nothing. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.